0: Rangana Becomes a Woman in the Next Life. And today we are on text A. Atmanam kanyaya Yadrastam
1: Atmanam Kanya
0: चिंता मापनो दुरंत चिंता मापनो
1: दुरंत चिंता
0: मापनो दुरंत चिंता
1: मापनो नाले क्रिया
0: क्रिया क्रियां नाले देतार्थि क्रियां आत्मनाम कन्या याग्रस्तां आत्मनाम कन्या याग्रस्तां पञ्चालान Kanyaya. Kanyaya.
1: Kanya. Kala Kanyaya. by Kanyaya. pannya, graston, being embraced,
0: panchalan, panchal, Aridushita.
1: infected by the enemies,
0: duranta, in so much
1: level, chinta,
0: anxiety, Insomnia. apanna. apanna of that counteraction. Translation and purpose by this divine gracewami uh, 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 When King Purantana saw that all his family members, relatives, followers, servants, secretaries, and everyone else had turned against him, he certainly became very anxious. But he could not counteract the situation because he was thoroughly overwhelmed by Kala Ganana. Purpose When a person becomes weak from the attack of old age, the family members, servants, and secretaries do not care for him. He is then unable to counteract this. Thus, he becomes more and more anxious and laments this frightful condition. Om ajnana devikandashya, jnana jhanashalakaya, chakshur nilitam yena, tasnay shri durave
1: namaha, shri taitanya vano
0: bhishtam, skhaapitam ke nabhukale, svayam dhupar talamahiyam, Without these words, Adamsipans, Chalam, Pangum Langayate, Yet Kripa the Maham Mande, Shri Guru Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadara Sri Vasadi Gauravaktavrata Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Krishna Krishna
2: Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama
0: Rama Rama Hare 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 Krishna so, we are continuing the discussion on this allegorical pastime which Naradhuni is telling to King Kachina Bharishat. Um, we have seen time and again in the Bhagavatam and also in Prabhupada's life, we have seen that people who are expert preachers and Naradhuni is Daksha, he is an expert preacher, he knows how to preach according to time, place, and circumstance. And that is what Prabhupada also had imbibed that mood of Naradmani to you know to change his preaching methods according to time, place, and circumstance. So Naradmani is quite expert and he is realizing that King Prachinabhari Barishat, is extremely steeped. Uh, King Bari is quite steeped in material sense gratification. In the earlier chapters we read how he was so um, absorbed in sex life Especially, he, was a very pro- he had left a very promiscuous life, full of sexual creation, sensual desires, lusty, fulfilling all his lusty desires. So he knew that he cannot tell uh, King pra- uh, Prashinathari directly about his shortcomings or faults. And therefore he made up this whole allegory or story just so that the message can go across. So muni is doing nothing but preaching the science of self-realization, as we can see. He is telling him about the different aspects of human form of life, how it is a waste to uh, spend the human form of life in sense gratification and what's the goal of human form of life. He is actually giving him the basic lessons of Krishna consciousness. But he is doing that through a story because he knew that King Prachinabhari won't absorb the message if he directly tells him. In fact, once when Urmila Mataji was visiting our Yatra in Melbourne and she was doing some children's seminars to parents and to some teachers, she was telling us that for children also, why do we usually tell stories? And she said that when parents keep telling children about values, be honest, be this, be that, be truthful, it's very hard for children to learn those values if the parents are very instructive. But if the same values are taught through a story, then the children will absorb it quite well. So, even Urmilamadachi was saying that stories or allegories are the best way to get a message across because it circumvents someone's false ego. And that is what we have seen Narad Muni doing over here. He is circumventing the false ego of King Prachinabhari and he is reaching him through this whole allegory of King Puranjana and his wife and all these things. So, we are seeing over here in this section Narad Muni is talking about time or Kanya. And how this time, the factor of time is attacking King Puranjana in this particular allegory. So we see over here what is, the, what is the effect of time on King Puranjana. And we see this happening in our real life as well. As time goes by and you know with the attack of time on a human form of life, we see that everything is stripped from a human, a human being. All his opulences are stripped, his youth is stripped, his health is stripped. Everything starts going down. So, you know, when children are young, they are so playful, energetic and all that. But as you grow and when you are youth, you are full of passion. I want to work, make money, attract girls. Then in your middle age, you are trying to consolidate, make, buy a house, car, settle down in life. But we don't realize that slowly time is going to take all these assets away. And that is what is happening with King Puranjana. As we read in this particular purport as well, that everybody has started leaving him because he is becoming weak now, due to the attack of time. So the first thing which time attacks is health. Like as we become older, health starts deteriorating slowly. Youth starts going away. Old age very slowly starts seeping in. We suddenly realize, oh, I've started developing white hair. And you know, initially we try to pluck that white hair out so that others can't see it. But after some time, how much will you control? Then you'll realize, oh, if I keep plucking this white hair, there will know why white do No hair left on my head. So we realize that we we'll have to give in to this uh, effect of time that is happening on our body. So that, therefore, you know, we, we, we start accepting old age. Now for someone who hasn't practiced any form of renunciation, any form of detachment or any process of cultivation of self-realization, for such a person it's very hard to come to terms with the effect of time on themselves and with this old age which comes in their life suddenly. So we know the famous verse, Janvamrityu Jaravadri, Dukkha Dosha Mudarshanam. So we know that old age, birth, disease, old age and death, these are the real problems of life. And we've we heard in the Science of Self-Realization book and even Radha Kapinath Prabhu who recently visited Ayatra, Yatra, he mentions in his Science of Self-Realization series of lectures, he says that for a problem, now these are real problems in life and for a problem to be a real problem, he says that it should be common to everyone. No one should want it and no one can avoid it. These are the three criteria by which we can define a real problem in life. And these, if we see these four, Janma, with Jara and yadi birth, death, old age and disease, they perfectly fulfill the criteria of, the, of these three criteria of a real problem. No one wants old age but it still comes in. No one can avoid it. Can we avoid old age from coming onto to us unless, you know, someone leaves their body prematurely? We cannot avoid this old age seeping in. And it is common to everyone. It is common to every living being. Even animals become old. Even birds become old. Insects. Everybody. kanya. This effect of time is there on every human being or every living entity. So we see that we cannot completely avoid this. We cannot do anything about it. We just have to accept it. But we see that King Puranjana is suffering over here. He is not very happy right now. That old age has started coming in. It has started stripping him of all his opulences which he had. And why is he suffering? He is suffering because he had not prepared himself properly for this particular time of his life, which was unavoidable, which was going to come in his life. He hadn't prepared himself. And this is a big lesson which Muni is teaching all of us through this whole allegory that we have to prepare ourselves for this onslaught of old days that will come in all of our lives. So we know the famous verse, like you know, in the pre- uh, previous section and also it will come later on in uh, further verses in this particular chapter itself. He is quite, his wife is starting to become cold and indifferent towards him. His relatives are slowly leaving him and going away. And there is a famous quote by a philosopher called Curie or Curie, something like that his name was, He said, and this person is not even a devotee or anything, he is just a philosopher. And he has said that being abandoned or given up is the most devastating emotion we can cause to a human being. A philosopher is saying that, that being abandoned or given up is the most devastating emotion for a person. And that is what is happening over here to King Puranjana. Because all his natural opulences, his health, beauty, wealth, everything is going away by the attack of Kalakani or time, people are abandoning him. No one wants to associate with him. Because he looks old, he's weak now, he doesn't have money. So those were the things which were keeping his relatives, his wife, even attached to him. But now, people are abandoning him. And it's very difficult for him to come to terms with this particular realization. In fact, there was a devotee who was visiting from India recently and he happened to go with a person who works in an old age home. And he happened to visit that person to, in that old age home. And he, they were speaking to an old lady, and the old lady was saying, and we've heard that the scheme is there in Australia, where, you know, old people are abandoned. And the children don't look after their old parents, they just abandon them. And therefore, we see there are so many old age homes, or these old people have to be taken care of by the government. And, you know, we as taxpayers have to fund these old people's pensions or whatever, whatever. But there is, this is a growing problem in Australia where old people are not taken care of and completely abandoned by their children. So this lady was talking to the, this devotee who was visiting and she was saying that she, as she realized she was starting to get old, there was no one to look after her, her husband had also passed away or left her or whatever, she was single. And she realized she had to do something, she was not able to look after herself at home. So there are these companies or agencies which operate in Australia, which actually come and offer you some schemes or deals, something like that, where you sign up all your assets to them, whatever wealth or assets you have, you sign it off to them and they promise you that they will look after you for a certain number of years. And I think they estimate that a person will live average for so many years and that till that time will look after you. That is the deal which she also signed up with the company. So she had signed up all her assets, whatever house she had, whatever wealth she had, she had given it to that company. And now she was being looked after by that company in this old age home, which this devotee was visiting. But that those 20 years, I think the deal was for 20 years, and the 20 years are about to come to an end. She was in her 19th year, in that old age home. And fortunately or unfortunately, she outlived that contract, which she had with the company. She had a long life. Maybe, you know, in her karma, she had a long life. So she outlived. The company thought she'll die within 20 years. But she outlived that contract. So now she's going through nightmares, she was telling these devotees who were visiting her. Because that company has threatened her that you're in your 19th year. In your 20th year, we are going to move you out of this old age home. We are going to kick you out. And this lady has nowhere to go. She has no assets because she signed up everything to the company. The company made a contract and the company can't afford anything beyond 20 years because that's the calculation they must have done based on whatever wealth she gave them. Children had abandoned long time ago. So this lady is having nightmares she was in. She's very distressed right now. What will I do after my 20th year? So obviously these people actually they must be hoping that death comes to them before they have to face all these situations in their life. So that's why this philosopher has said that being abandoned or given up is the most devastating emotion he can inflict on someone. But we see that if someone has not sufficiently prepared themselves, themselves to take care of this old age, they will suffer like King Puranjana is suffering. And what is the way to prepare ourselves? We see Prabhupada says time and again that Kaumala Machare, even Maharaj says that start devotional service from childhood. Don't wait for your old age to come because in old age, health is not going to give, uh, it will it will leave us, it's not going to cooperate with us. In fact, I was hearing in a lecture and I've seen this with old people as well, that when you invite them for some lecture or something like that, oh, please come to our house for a lecture. In India, especially where, you know, the lift, there are not any lifts or even over here, we have three-story buildings sometimes which don't have elevators. So the first question some of these old people ask is, which floor is your house in? And is there a lift in your building? Because then if we say, oh, it's on the second floor and there's no lift, then they decide not to come to the program because they come climb the stairs.
1: So we see, you know how
0: if we keep Krishna consciousness for old age, all these factors will start coming in. We might not be able to go and associate so much with devotees, attend programs or anything like that. And even as devotees, like when we are young and our bodies are cooperating with us, we like to do all these physical services. Like we like to dress the deities or we like to take up some services like cleaning, cooking and all that. But in parallel to these physical services, if we have not invested sufficient time in developing our taste for hearing and chanting, it's going to be very hard for us as devotees also in old age. Because we might keep doing seva, 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 but if we haven't invested enough time in our sadhana, then what will happen is that old age comes, we won't be able to do our devo you know, our physical devotional services. Obviously, health is going to be taken away by Kala Kanya or kind. Old age is going to start weeping and legs will pain, knee will pain, this pain, that pain will come. We might not, if we want to do daily worship, we might not even, even be able to sit down at the altar to do any daily worship or stand for a long time. Or cook. Cook, you know, cooking is quite exhausted, so we might not be able to do even that. So, what do we do? When old age comes, all these things are going to go away. And we see there is so much rush for seva, like we see so many Brahmins want services, but there is not enough services to give to everybody. But there is no rush, or there is not this thing for hearing. No one can be sorry, we don't have that service available. The hearing service is available for everybody. Everyone can sit and come and sit and hear, or you know, listen, or hear lectures at their home. So, if we develop sufficiently, this you know, process of very important process of bhakti, of taste, of hearing, and chanting, it's going to be hard for us also as devotees in old age. And if we, like in Puranjana, he didn't develop this at all in his young life and therefore he's suffering right now. All his relatives have started leaving him and he's become distressed. So the prayotana of this particular human form of life or the goal of human form of life is is self-realization, is to come to that conclusion that Krishna is my only shelter and start taking shelter of Krishna since a young age while our health is cooperating with us. So, cultivation of detachment from all our family matters, because we know the verse, famous verse in Srimad Bhagavatam Deha Patya Kaladra Adishwa Atma Saineshwa Satva api Peshan Pramato Pashya na Pashyati So, what is the meaning of this verse? Deha Patya Kaladra Adishwa that means your body, these are infallible soldiers, Bhagavatam is saying. Your body, your wife, your relatives, they are not going to support you at the time of death. They are all going to leave you. And we see this living example in the story of King Turandana. His wife is leaving, relatives are leaving, health is leaving, your youth is leaving him, everything is leaving him. And na Pashyati, that means even though you heard sufficiently, you have still not developed pronunciation. And you are still attached to them and they are not going to save you at the time of death. It's only the chanting and the hearing that you've done which is going to save you. So it's a big lesson which muni is teaching to all of us through this whole particular pastime of King Turanjana on how to become detached while we are still young, how to develop taste for hearing and chanting while we are still young so that in our old age we have some ammunition with us already of that deep taste we've developed. For hearing and chanting, and also we have become detached slowly from our house, family affairs, and all these things. So, that's that's the what we learned from today's verse. Today is also a very important day, it's Vasant Panchmi, and it's also the appearance and disappearance days of some very prominent and prominent Acharyas in Gaudiya Vaishnava lineage. We so, we, we'll spend the next few uh, uh, minutes in talking about these Acharyas and also about the importance of Vasant Panchmi. So Vasant Panchmi, it is mentioned in the Bhagavatam and by you know even uh, Jaydev Goswami in Gita Govind he gives good very beautiful description of the Vasant Poojoo and Krishna's pastimes in the Vasant Poojoo. So Vasant Panchmi is the day when Krish, uh, when the uh, season of spring actually starts in India. Obviously for us autumn will start soon, but in India the season of spring starts actually from Vasant Panchmi day. So this is the day when, you know, new flowers will start blooming, the cold winter months are getting over and there will be fresh life, you know, new leaves, new flowers will start coming in. So this is the day actually when Krishna and Balram enjoy quite, you know, uh, conjugal pastimes with the Gopis, especially. Because whenever, you know, this atmosphere is very nice, spring season is obviously not very hot, not very cold, the temperature is nice, everywhere there is greenery fresh green leaves and flowers are coming. So, it's a very conducive environment for Krishna and Balram to enjoy their pastimes with the gopis. And that is what happens throughout the Vasanthrutu. Krishna has his Lila with the gopis almost every night, um, it is mentioned, in the groves of Govardhan Hill um, during his Vasanthrutu. And if we, if we see in the temples of uh, Vrindavan, today there will be the deities and the temples will be beautifully decorated. The deities will be dressed very beautifully in fresh green and yellow outfits and also the temples will be beautifully decorated, um, just celebrating the onset of spring season. So that is the importance of Vasant country. It is also uh, the appearance day of a very important personality for all of us who is Raghunath Das Goswami. So Raghunath Das Goswami is the renunciation acharya for all of us. He is the one who came to talk, teach us renunciation. And he's actually part of the six Goswamis who were directly under the tutelage of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So Raghunath Das Goswami, we'll spend some time in trying to remember the pastimes of Raghunath Goswami. Prabhupada says that on the appearance or disappearance day of a personality, if we keep them in our memories and we discuss their glories and pastimes, they actually, we actually receive their blessings. So we'll, we'll discuss a few pastimes in Raghunath Das Goswami's life. So he was born in Saktadrami. And he was born in a very rich family of landlords. So it is said that the Mughal emperor who was uh, ruling at that particular time in Bengal, he had leased the entire land of Saptagram uh, to this Majumdar family for 12 lakh rupees at that time. Imagine, so many years ago for 12 lakh rupees. And these landlords were so rich and they were so expert in making money that despite paying this lease of 12 lakh rupees every year, they were making 20 lakh rupees because of the way they were operating that whole land, cultivating whatever, growing grains, taxes collection and all that. So they always had, you know, surplus of so many lakhs of rupees. So just, you know, giving us an idea of how much this would be crores and crores of rupees today or millions of dollars today, in today's day. That is the rich family which in which Raghunath Das Goswami was born. So his father's name was Govinda Majumdar and he had also an uncle who was also part of, part of part of the family and very doting on Raghunath um, Das Goswami. Because he was the only child, his uncle did not have any children. So all the wealth, all this opulent wealth, land, everything he himself was going to inherit, Raghunath Das So the Najundars were very pious people, very rich, very wealthy, but very pious as well. So they used to actually give lots of donations to support Vaishnavas and their activities. But they were also steeped in material sense gratification. They weren't completely detached and, you know, like, okay, we don't want to involve ourselves too much in all these material affairs of making money and all. Goal of life is to do bhakti. They were still not at that stage. They were pious people who used to support Brahmanas, who used to support Vaishnavas. But they themselves were very steeped in material sense gratification. But on the other hand, Raghunath Das since his childhood, he was a very, very renounced person. Completely unattached to the wealth that his family possessed, completely unattached to these financial matters or these, you know, matters of economic development and all that. He was completely unattached to all these things. And because since childhood he had heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, so he was very inspired by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In fact, one day during his childhood he was taken to uh, uh, visit Haridas Thakur, who is the Namacharya. And when he met Haridas Thakur, He was extremely inspired by Haridas Thakur's life and example. And he he just wanted to dedicate his complete life to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He wanted to just go at the feet of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, give up everything and just serve at the Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and spread the mission of Krishna Consciousness. That is what his heart was continuously yearning for. And his parents could see, see early on, they could catch early on that Radunas Das Goswami has this tendency of renouncing everything and going away unto the shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So they used to always have 10 or 15 security guards around him just to ensure that he doesn't leave everything and go away. And obviously the second thing is, you know, women. We we read again in the Bhagavatam and we see in Purantana's pastime itself that how an attachment to a woman can keep a person bound completely in life. So, Rida Irranti Maham, we've we'll seen we'll see that verse also in the Srimad Bhagavatam. So, they thought that marrying him to a young beautiful girl will keep him attached to the house. So, they arranged Raghunath Daskoswamy's marriage to a very exquisitely beautiful young girl. Rishir, she was much more you like, she was almost as beautiful as the goddess Lakshmi. So, they married him off to her, but it made no difference to Raghunath Goswami at all. He was so renounced that he never used to sleep even in his house. They had opulence palaces, obviously, because of the wealth they possessed, but he never used to sleep in his house. There was, he were, there was an outhouse or there was a corridor or something like that. He only used to sleep over there and never entered his house for sleeping or He tried to you know, make his life very comfortable. So several times it is mentioned in the Chaykanichargaramita, that raghunath das Bas tried to run away several times from his house. Because every time he wanted to run away and surrender his life to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and go to Jagannath Puri and stay with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. But his parents were every time sending guards and they used to catch him and bring him back. So this happened many many times when he tried to run away but he wasn't able to run away at all. So one day their family priest, Their family priest's name was Yanur, Yadunanda Nacharya. And one day Yadunanda Nacharya came and told uh, Raghunath family I mean, He found him lying in the corridor early in the morning. And he came and told him that, you know, the temple, the family temple which we have, the head Pujari is not doing his duties very well. He is not coming regularly to the temple. So you you are such an expert in religious matters and in spiritual life. Can you please go and have a conversation, have a chat with this head Pujari to little bit change his mind so that he becomes attached to daily worship and he does his seva regularly at the temple. And today he hasn't even come. So can you please go and find him and preach to him? (coughs) So Raghunathdas Goswami readily agreed because he saw this as an opportunity for executing his mission of running away from house. So he said, Yeah, yeah, you don't worry, you go and do your whatever work you are doing. I will go and preach to that Brahmin and I will also finish the daily worship for today in the temple. So he goes, he must have spoken to the Brahmin. He did whatever daily worship had to be done. And the guards are standing there. They have, they have been instructed to guard Ragunatha's Goswami 24 hours. So they were standing there, but they saw that, oh, he is going with Yadunanda Nacharya, who is a family priest, so that's fine. They are going on a family business to talk to that Pujari. So that time the guards did not realize that, you know, Raguna Das Goswami is going to use this as an opportunity to mm-hmm. run away. So they just let loose a little bit. Raguna das Goswami took that opportunity and ran away from house. And every time when previously he had attempted to run away, the uh, guards would catch him from the, because they knew the road leading to Puri. So they would go on that path and catch him and come back. But this time Raghunada Swami had to somehow, you know, make them Ullu or, you know, cheat them and run away. So he said, I will not go on the path which goes to Jagannath Puri. I will actually go through some other path. So he went in the opposite direction for almost two, three hours. He walked in the opposite direction. He stayed there, you know, it was already night time by the time he reached there. So he stayed there in, the, uh, in a cow shed. And the family gave him a little milk, he stayed there for a few hours. And then the next day he went to Jagannath Puri, taking another path. <coughs> so when the guards, you know, when they everyone started looking for Raghunath Goswami because he was missing. As usual, the guards went on the usual path to Jagannath Puri. But they went and then, then they couldn't find. So they returned home empty-handed. And in the meantime, Raghunath Koswami actually went to Jagannath Puri. And before that, during one of his attempts to run away, he had actually come to know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is in Shantipur, in Advaita Acharya's house. This was before the successful attempt, you know, in one of his previous attempts. So when he came to know that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, after he had taken sanyas, you know how the Lord Nityananda and they had pulled him and brought him to Shantipur instead of sending him to Vrindavan. So he was in Shantipur and was Goswami took this opportunity to go and meet Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and express his desire to surrender to Him. So when he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he actually told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that I want to surrender my life to you, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I cannot stay in my family anymore. Please give me some direction. Please give me the permission to come and stay with you and surrender my life to Krishna. So at that time, because Radunath das was very young at that time, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told him that don't prematurely renounce your family life. And he told him the famous verse about my Markata Vairagya. So he told him that Markata Vairagya is the renunciation of monkeys. He said monkeys appear very renounced on the outside. They, they don't wear any clothes, living on trees, sub, uh, surviving just on fruits and berries that are available in trees. So externally if see they are quite renounced. But he said internally they are all the time meditating on sex. And where to find a female monkey so that they can you know, satisfy their lusty desires. So he said, don't have Markata Vairagya because you are so young. You just go back and be with your family for some time. But be a person which is opposite of a Markata. So externally you are showing as if you are completely, you know, helping the family business, running family affairs, finances, taking care of finances, good grahastha. Externally show all that, but internally be completely renounced. Internally in your heart keep, you know, meditating on karmatma or meditating on the form of the Lord. So this is the instruction which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave him at that time and he had sent him back home. He did not allow him to join him at that particular time because Chaitanya Mahaprabhu felt that he needs a little more time with the family and then he should come back. So that is what had happened a few years ago but this time Prabhu Nata's was, you know, ultimately successful in going back, in going to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And while going, he was remembering that once, you know, previously when he was trying to run away but he couldn't find any solace, he was still in the family he had once come to know that Nityanand Prabhu is visiting the nearby village of Panihati with all his associates. So Raghunada Stokeswami once again took the opportunity to go and meet Lord Nityananda at Panihati. And he went and fell at Lord Nityananda's feet, lotus feet, and he expressed once again his desire that I want to give up my life to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, I want to go and surrender at this lotus feet, I want to renounce this family affairs. So Nityananda Prabhu said... That you have been a thief. From far away, you were paying obeisances to me and praying like this. So you are a thief, and to atone uh, for this uh, offense, you will have to feed all my associates who have come over here and feed them prasadam. So Raghunathdas Swami was so thrilled that Lord Nityananda is personally <coughs> offering this service. So immediately arrange for servants, his servants to bring, you know, so much like all the bhoga from all the near, nearby villages. And they prepare different types of uh, b- beautiful um, poha preparations or rice flakes preparations.
1: <laughs> it's been like that for the last 20
2: minutes. It's not the online that all line the
1: people here Also, now is it no, it's better? Okay. <coughs> you don't need the market <laughs> <but>. <laughs>
0: Um, so he arranged for opulent prasadam for all of Lord associates. All the he got, all poha he also got condensed milk and yogurt. So they prepared two batches: one batch of poha they mixed in condensed milk, and one batch of poha they mixed in yogurt. And this became the famous Chira in Mahotsav. Which we ourselves celebrated in our uh, Melbourne Mandir not many weeks ago. During our stand. Yatra, we also celebrate this Pani Mati festival or the Chira Mahotsav, where we prepare beautiful pots nicely painted by devotees and we offer these pots of chipped rice with yogurt or chipped rice with condensed milk to the Lord for their pleasure. So, this is what was done. It was This whole festival was, was started by none other than Raghunath Das Goswami and under the instructions of Nityanand Prabhu. So, it is said that during this festival, because he was offering like tons and tons of prashadam to everybody, so many devotees, even from nearby villages, came to partake this prasad. And they were all sitting on the banks of Ganga and having this prasad. And it is said that because so many devotees came, there was not enough place. Some were actually standing inside the Ganga and eating that prashad, which Rabunathas Goswami was distributing. And Lord Nityananda was saying, Lord Nityananda was immensely pleased with the service of Rabunanda Das Goswami. And he was saying that I am actually a cowherd boy and I love to sit on the bank of a river and eat and you have fulfilled my desire today. And because Lord Nityananda was so happy in his meditation he actually invited Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also to partake of this prasad. And Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came there in his spiritual form and he also sat with all the devotees and he ate this uh, chila dhani with, and chila uh, with condensed milk which Raguna Das was offering to all the devotees. And then Raghunath Das once again prayed to Lord Nityananda to bless him that he will have Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's association one day. And at that point in time, Lord Nityananda placed his feet, his foot on Raghunath Das Goswami's head. And he blessed him that very soon one day your desire will be fulfilled. You will be able to give up all these material affairs and your family and everything. And very soon you will be under the shelter of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and one of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's very close associates. And then Nityananda, who not only did he give him this blessing, but he called all the Vaishnavas over there who were present and he told all of them to bless Raghunath Das Goswami. said that, please bless this boy, that his desire to serve Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gets fulfilled quickly. So, this is this whole pastime of Chidagari which Raghunath Das Goswami was remembering because Lord Nityananda had blessed him that very soon one day he will be with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and start serving him. So remembering this past time, Raghunatha Dasar proceeded towards Jagannath Puri. And on arriving at Jagannath Puri, he paid obeisances to uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from a distance at Gambira.
1: Still getting messages. Yes, 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 yes,
0: yes. I think this needs to be tightened probably if it keeps,
2: it it keeps falling down.
0: So, uh, Raghunath Das Goswami went to Gambhira to meet uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and from a distance he paid obeisances to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He fell down flat like a danda, like a rod he fell down as soon as he saw Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And at that time Mukundadatta was there and Mukundadatta came and told Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that look who has arrived. It's Raghunath Das Goswami who is paying obeisances to you from a far distance. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu invited him, embraced him, he was so happy to see Raghunath Das Goswami finally arrive in Jagannath Puri to serve him. And he told Mukunda to look after him for a few days and he said then he will be on his own, he will be able to look after himself. And he also instructed Raghunath Das Goswami that from today onwards, I am placing you under the shelter, care and protection of Swarup Damodar Goswami, who was an intimate associate of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, Raghunath Das Goswami was so thrilled to be like so, so happy to have this association of saruta Mother Goswami and being given an opportunity to serve him. So, in this day, Raghunath Das Goswami was being looked after all the devotees over there and when his parents, they were looking for him. So, they actually asked the devotees who were going, to, uh, going and coming back from Dhalanathurim to uh, Navadvit and they asked them that have you all seen my son over there? And Shivan Singh confirmed to, to, uh, to das Goswami's parents that yes, your son has now renounced everything, he has settled down in Puri and he is serving under the shelter of Chaitanya Prabhu and Sarutamudar Goswami. We will not be able to bring him back this time. <laughs> so the parents obviously had to come, to come to terms with the fact that we are not going to be able to bring him back home. But then what they did was they sent a servant or a few servants with lots of wealth and they told the servant that find a nice house for him. Let him stay in the house, otherwise we just sleep here and there and also ensure that every day he has enough food to eat. So all this wealth which had come from his parents' house, Raghunath Das never utilised anything for himself. It is mentioned that twice a month, he would invite Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to his house to, and make all the servants cook opulent prasadam. And he would serve everything to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And that was only twice a month. All the remaining days, he would go outside Jagannath Puri Temple and he would beg arms from the pilgrims who would come over there. Because whenever pilgrims used to come out of the temple, they would give some bhoga, something, some prashad to all the beggars who were begging over there. So Raghunath Das Goswami well, used to do that. He would never take the opulent prashadam which the cooks would cook for him. And then, when you know he he started realizing when he used to beg like this, he started realizing that this is not very good. Because then I'm expecting today, will this Mataji give me this prasad, will that Prabhuji give me that prasad and as a renunciate, it's not good to dwell like this or what and what will I get from a certain pilgrim who is visiting Janganathuri. So he realized that I'm too much into sense gratification. You know, he's begging outside but he's thinking he's too much into sense gratification. So then he realized that no, I have to give this up. I'm just going to from now onwards, accept whatever has been rejected by shopkeepers. Because you know in Jagannath Puri, all the Maha Prashad is sold. So, whatever they are not able to sell and whatever is left over and they are about to throw, I will only accept that from now onwards. I am not going to sit and you know think because some of these people give everyone's in the pious mood when they come to Bolidam. So, they give nice Prashadam which I don't want from now onwards outside the temple. So, that was the next level of renunciation he went to. That he started just accepting leftovers from these shopkeepers. Again, he was not very happy. He thought that is too opulent in his life, what he is doing, the prashadam that he is eating. So then he decided that sometimes these shopkeepers, what they would do is after the prashadam which was not sold and it would start decaying and all that obviously, they knew it would get spoiled. So they would throw it near the bins for the cows to eat, for the cows and other animals to eat. And the cows would come and eat that but whatever was not fit for consumption, even the cows would actually reject they would either spit it out or they would just leave it and go away. So, Raguna Das Goswami started accepting whatever the cows used to leave and go. Whatever, even the cows did not think was fit for gyar consumption, that is what Radunath Das Goswami would go and pick up slowly. So, he would go and pick up all that, you know, boga, all that prashad which was left, any rice or whatever was there. He would carefully wash it off and mix some salt in it and he would eat that. And that is how he was surviving. So when Sarup Damodar Goswami came to know that this is what, how Radhunath Das Goswami is surviving, he also tasted little bit of the prashad which he was eating. And he said that this is nectar what you are eating. Because Radhunath Das Goswami was so renounced and he was eating that particular prashad, it was actually become like nectar for the other devotees. And then Chaitanya Mahaprabhu heard one day about the renunciation of Radhunath Das Goswami. So he came to Raghunath Das Goswami's place and he said that I want to eat, I heard that you are eating nectar every day and you are keeping us bereft of the nectar that you yourself are taking. That is so much selfishness. So give me what you are eating, I am going also going to eat that. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu also took that prasad which Raghunath Das Goswami was eating and he said, Oh, this is nectar. But Mother Goswami fell at Chaitanya Prabhu's lotus feet and he told that my, my lord don't take any more because he knew this is not fit for human consumption. Even the cows have actually rejected this. So this is this is this was the level of renunciation which Radhunad Das Goswami had. Therefore, Prabhupada always says that he's the you know these are renunciation acharya for all of us, for us to. We might not be able to go to his level obviously but for us to invite some, some renunciation in our life following in the footsteps of Raguna Das Goswami. So seeing his renunciation and bhakti, Chaitanya Prabhu was so happy with Raghunath Raguna Das Goswami that one day he called him and he gave him his own worshipable Govardhan Shila to worship and also a necklace of conscience which some devotee had given him. So it is said that when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was given this Govardhan Sheela by a devotee who was visiting from Vrindavan, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to keep the Sheela on his chest and in ecstasy and separation of Vrindavan, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu used to try, cry and cry, like torrents of tears used to flow from his eyes. And then therefore it is mentioned that this Sheela always used to be wet because it was drenched in the tears of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, imagine how, you know, potent that Srila had become because it has touched Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's body and also his tears. And that Srila was gifted by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to Raghunath Das Goswami. And Raghunath Das Goswami worshipped that Srila throughout his life. And also a necklace of conch shells was given to him. So, Raghunath Das Goswami like this stayed for 16 years in Jagannath Puri. And after 16 years, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wound up his pastimes, his earthly pastimes and he left this planet, and he went back. And after a couple of years, even Swarup Damodar Goswami, his worshipable master, also left this world. And then Radhanath Das Goswami started finding his life all vacant, no purpose. He said, Both my masters have left. What am I going to do over here? What am I going to do on this earth planet? Whom am I going to serve? So he actually decided that I am going to, Saran, I am going to go and commit suicide. And, but before that, I will go to Vrindavan because there was one instruction which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had given him while Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there on this planet. So one day, Radhuna was Goswami like he was leading his life there and one day he had gone to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and he fell at his feet and he asked him that, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu I have been serving you and Swarudha Madal Goswami for such a long time but I am not very sure what is my duty in life what is beneficial to me can you please instruct me and that time Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said the famous verse, which is such an instructive verse for all of us as well. He told him, So he said, do not listen to Gramya Katha. Gramya Katha means worldly matters or gossip about worldly matters. Like Prabhupada describes in one of the says that if you go in villages and you see, you know in villages houses have like a little uh, we, we call it like a little place to sit which is outside the house and people sit over there and especially we see old people, they sit over there and they are all sitting and talking Ramya katha, everyone is just sitting and gossiping, you know what happened here, you know what happened there, you know what this person did, you know what that person had. and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had seen this to be very prevalent during that time and it's prevalent now also obviously. So, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave this instruction to Rabuna Das Goswami. Graanye patha na suni ve, graanye patha na kadhi ve, Do not listen to gossip or you know worldly conversations and talks, and do not discuss gossip or worldly conversations and uh, talks. Bhala na khai ve, aar bhala na which means that do not eat opulent food. Now, he is telling to Rabuna Das Goswami, he was already so renounced. But he's saying that that instruction for us, for all of us. Do not eat opulent food. Do not be too attached to eating different different varieties of foodstuffs and opulent foodstuffs. Are bhala na Do not be attached to wearing really beautiful clothes all the time. And remember to worship. Be humble always and remember to worship Radha and Krishna throughout your life. Surrender to them and worship them throughout your life. So this famous verse was told by Taika mahaprabhu to Raguna Das Goswami as an instruction. And that is what Radunath Das Goswami remembered. He said that my Lord has instructed me to worship Radha and Krishna, so I want to once take darshan Vrindavan before I give up my body. So he decided he is going to commit suicide, but he will commit suicide from top of Govardhan Hill. Mm-hmm. So he travelled to Vrindavan all the way, and when he came to Vrindavan, he was still, you know, thinking, contemplating how to execute his mission of committing suicide. And there he met Bhupo Goswami. and he met the other Goswamis as well all the Goswamis who were present at that time, they were so happy to see das Goswami because he had intimately served Chaitanya Mahaprabhu for 16 years, which all these devotees hadn't had the opportunity. They were all living in separation from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Vrindavan. So they were all so pleased to see him. And Rupa Goswami actually talked sense into das Goswami. He said, please give up your idea of committing suicide. You don't know what wealth you are carrying with you in your heart about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. So utilize the remaining of your life to enlighten everyone and tell everyone about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's pastimes. Because so many people in Vrindavan don't know anything about his pastimes. So then, R- R- Raghunatha Das Goswami gave up this idea of committing suicide, and Rupa Goswami told him that we will make arrangements for your stay on the banks of Kedarnath. And every day we sit there and we talk about the pastimes of Raguna Das of Taitani uh, Mahaprabhu. So, following in the, uh, his instructions, Raguna Das Goswami every day used to sit on the banks of Radhakur and he would actually give classes of Taitani Mahaprabhu's pastimes for almost three or four hours. And when he was talking about these pastimes, uh, none other than Krishna Das Goswami used to come and sit there and listen to these talks every day. So it is mentioned that Krishnadas Kalevata Goswami wrote the Chaitanya, Chaitanya Charitramarita based on these lectures which Raguna Das Goswami gave on the banks of Radhakun and also the diary of Swarup Damodar Goswami himself. So that is, the, you know, these two things form the basis of Chaitanya Pritha. So like this Rakuna Das Goswami was continuing his bhajan on the banks of Radhakun but he was, as we know, he was so renounced that he would not care about his own comforts at all. He would drink buttermilk only once in 2-3 days. He would take a little buttermilk and that too, he would curse himself by drinking buttermilk. That see how I am, I am so attached to self gratification. I am drinking this buttermilk which is actually not needed. So, very renounced and in that new he used to do his bhajan. For hours and hours he would consider chant the holy names of Krishna. And he did, he had not built any shelter for himself. Whether it was sun, rain cold, he would just sit and chant. So one day when Rupa Goswami was coming to visit Raghunath Das Goswami and it was very hot in Vrindavan we know how the summers are extremely hot. So Radunathas Goswami not caring about anything he was sitting and doing his japa in deep meditation on Radha and Krishna and Rupa Goswami saw from far away that Radha Gandhi was standing personally behind Raghunath Das Goswami with her pallu or her sari's veil covering Raghunath Das Goswami. And Goswami could see because he was, he's also pure devotee. So he had this darshan of Radharani, and he could see that Radharani was perspiring, standing in the sun. And Goswami was so upset and angry with Raguna Das Goswami. He actually told him, What are you doing? Why are you sitting here in the hot sun? And we are chanting the holy names of Krishna under the hot sun. So Raguna Das Goswami said, that, That's fine, it's not disturbing me. I'm okay to chant over here. And then Goswami told him. He said you might be okay to sit and chant over here in the hot sun but Radharani cannot steam chanting like that. She is so merciful you know so she has been standing all this time on you know covering your head with her old pallu. and that is why you have not been experiencing the need but she is completely perspiring. So you know our, the aim of our life is to serve Radha and Krishna and not to accept service from them. So please please don't you know sit like this in the sun next time. On another occasion, Das Goswami was chanting on the banks of Radha And you know, this is Vrindavan in early, before 1500. So that time there was still wild, it was a forest, there were still wild animals. So once, you know, he was ch- chanting again, uh, immersed in meditation, and there was a tiger which was close by, which had come to drink water from the pond. And the tiger could any, event, because he was sitting, Radunathas Goswami was sitting so close by, the tiger could any moment attack. Swami. So Rupa Goswami saw from far away that Krishna was personally standing there holding a stick in his hand guarding Raghuna Goswami so that the tiger doesn't come and attack him. So once again when Rupa Goswami saw that you know the Lord is so merciful that he is coming to serve his pure devotee then he instructed Das Goswami that you have to build a small hotel to pay for yourself so that Radha and Krishna don't have to come and do seva. And that is, it is mentioned that since that time onwards this whole system started of all these Goswamis building their bhajan putis on the banks of Vadakunda or Shyamakunda and doing their bhajans inside the bhajan putis so that, you know, that, like this they don't have to accept services from the divine couple. So Raghunath Goswami served like this for many, many years to come, worshipping Govardhan Sheela which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had given. And it is mentioned that in the a Prayojan So Prabhupada mentions that Rupa Goswami, Sanatana Goswami, is a Samganta Acharya, Rupa Goswami is our Abhideya Acharya, he shows us the path of devotional service, and Radhunata Goswami is a prayotana Acharya, he shows us what is the goal of devotional service. And in Krishna Gila, Radhunata Goswami is none other than Vasa Manjali, and in that divine form he is serving um, the divine couple of Radha and Krishna. So that was about Radhuna Das Goswami. It's also Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur's disappearance day. Um, Just a few things about Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur. So Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur was also known as Hari Vallabh Das, And he was born in 1638, again, in the uh, region of East Bengal. So he actually comes from the disciplic succession of Narothan Das Thakur. And his own diksha, guru was Radha Raman Chakravarti. And Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur, it is mentioned, he was such a, he was such a uh, scholar, very realised person, very devoted to Radha Krishna, but also an every scholar. So, it, it is mentioned in some places that some of the Acharyas who were present at that time, they used to consider him a reincarnation of Dupa Goswami. So, Vishwana Chakravarti Thakur, because he was such a scholar and realised person, he has written over more than over 40 books. He has written commentaries on so many famous books by the previous acharyas on the Srimad Bhagavatam. In fact, when we are studying our Vedanta course and the keshav Prabhu, we always refer to the commentary by Vishwanath Chakrarati Thakur, the Sarartha Darshan, which he has written on the Srimad Bhagavatam. The famous book, Madhuriya Thadamrini, was also written by Vishwanath Chakrarati Thakur. And also the song, Samsara Dharamala song, which we sing every day in the morning, which you know, glorifies the position of a guru in one's life that also has been written by Nishwana Chakravati Thakur. So, uh, during his time, he was actually known as the crest jewel of all Vaishnavas. And Bhakti Siddhartha Saraswati Thakur says that Nishwana Chakravarti Thakur was the protector, guardian and Acharya during the middle age period, which was between 1600 and 1700. He kept Gaudiya Vaishnavism, you know, protected and he did not allow any upper sampradayas and all that to flourish. He was a protector of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. So his worshipable deities were Radha Gopulananda and the sage Govardhan Sheela which Raghunath Das Goswami had worshipped, which Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had given to Das Goswami, that Sheela was worshipped by Vishwanath Chandravarti Thapur along with Radha Gopulananda. So it is mentioned that today also that Sheela is there in Radha Gopulananda temple in uh, Vrindavan. We go and take darshan of Vrindavan. And um, in Krishna Leela he was known as Vinoda Mantari and this samadhi is still there in Radha Kupuna Temple. Obviously many many of us have gone there and we've seen this samadhi in Radha Gopunanda Nanda Temple. So this was about Vishnu at Thakur. And it is also the appearance day of Vishnu Priya, who is the eternal consort of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So we know that after this first wife passed away, that Kriya passed away, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mother was very eager to get him married, because she knew her elder son had left home and gone away, gone away. So she wanted Chaitanya Prabhu to be a brahasta, so he would stay at home. So then on the banks of the Ganga, every day she would see Vishnubriya, who would come there to fill water and very very chaste, very very beautiful and very respectful to others. She would always pay obeisances to Sachi Mata. So in her heart, Sachi Mata had accepted her as her next daughter-in-law. And she actually tells, um, she, she sends someone to take the proposal to Puriya's um, Vish- father whose name was, I think, Sanatan Mishra. And even Sanatan Mishra was very thrilled to have taken you know, to accept Tethan as a son-in-law. And there is a whole description in the Tethan about the marriage of Tethan and Vishnupriya, how Uddhimantha Khan sponsored the whole marriage. It happened so opulently, And Vishnupriya ultimately came home and she started serving Tethan And at a young age, we know Tethan Imadrubu left her also and accepted sanyas. So after that, she led a very, very renowned life. She would every day chant the Hare Krishna Mahamantra and she had taken a vow to chant millions of names of the mantra. And for every grain of rice that she would, uh, for every mantra that she would chant, she would keep one grain of rice aside. And at the end of the day, whatever grains were collected by her chanting, she would only cook those many grains and she would eat that. That was the level of her renunciation. So it's time up. We end the class over here. Are there any questions, comments, or
2: corrections? Um, at the end of each chapter of the Chaitanya Charaka, uh, Krishna Das Kapagaraj offers his obeisances to Rupa and Raghunath. So you mentioned that Krishna Das Kapagaraj um, uh, heard the pastimes of Lord Chaitanya and that makes up mm-hmm. a lot of the Chaitanya Chaitanya. Um, and also uh, the diaries of Sura Nanda. Right? Um, but when he offers his obeisances, he doesn't mention Sura Nanda. Right? When he offers his obeisances to Rupi, um, what are your thoughts on the way he does that? Why he doesn't even the You well, we understand seen. why he was offering his basis as to what for does because he was hearing from um, Why would he do mean, And not through a like, for example, if, if the book was based on through a number you the one <laughs> <laughs> What well, I don't know. You? i
0: don't know. I'm just, just curious. I have no I heard, I was, you know, reading on the previous Parishnabharic sites about him and also in the J.T. Nesbhra Pramodan lectures where he based his on son Sarutam on the diary and that is how that is how uh, Pramodan came to be written about what he did. Well, in a what it tends, it tends to, listen, it
2: illustrates that Rupa Goswami was the leader of the Goswami's. Right? Even though mm-hmm. Samad Goswami was the older brother of Rupa Goswami, still the leader of the Goswami's is Rupa. Yeah? And Prabhupada mentions that we were Rupa leaders you know, in the beginning of the next description. So uh, I guess, you know he was taking shelter of um, after us, physically and in, in the And he's honouring Rupert as because he's a leader of you. Right? No, no, no. I mean, you mentioned uh, the advice that Lord uh, Chatterley gave. It, working it, the don't eat opulent food dress in opulent clothing yes so um, you know when we come in the temple it looks like all we get is opulent food <laughs> especially in Melbourne <laughs> Especially yeah. in our So that creates a bit of a quandary. Um, uh, Thomas just explained to me how the uh, salad that he had yesterday took him to contact. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and also, you know. Um, we noticed that proper would wear um, silk, cloth, and you know, he always presented himself, he, he probably himself said so first dress, then address. You know, I said the Bramatarius have always got curves that the sleeves end up halfway up their wrist and they can't do up their top button, right? So I'm always encouraging them, you know, get a curtain get a curtain that fits. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So how do we, how do we um, balance this the encouragement to be renounced but at the same time also you know have to balance the fact that we're living in quite an optimal surroundings. And, and you know we're encouraged also to dress we, on one hand we don't dress nicely and on the other hand we get instruction dress nicely. How do we reconcile these contradictions?
1: Actually I also was thinking on the same line, same I to to you that that you can answer for they you talked about the market, why I can, yeah? like I was thinking. So like internally you meditate and externally you work like a materialist. state. And then we also have the teaching, you should not be hypocrite, you should not be duplicit, you should be present yourself as what you are, you should be transparent. You know, somewhat it's like you know a fine line where you know it's very difficult how can you have internally something and externally something at the same time to be pure and transparent? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's
0: the same thing. So, you both are realized enough to have answers to your own questions.
1: <laughs> I'm going to your you're answer. It. Yeah. I'm
0: sitting, since I'm sitting on the Vyasa sun, it is my duty to answer the question that you'll have asked but I'll just share my limited realizations on this. So, um, coming to the point that you were mentioning Prabhupada, I know that Prabhupada himself was not, he was not, act, he was renounced in the way Raghunath Das Goswami was. Right? Even Raghunath Das Goswami used to hardly sleep for two hours in a day. Full time he was immersed in Krishna consciousness like chanting, hearing, reading, and we saw Prabhupada actually imbibed that in his life. He used to hardly sleep, he used to also all the time was engaged in spreading Krishna consciousness, Bible books, translating and all that. But we see when Prabhupada, you know, we read in the Leela das the prashadam that he used to take, it wasn't in the lines of what Raghunath Das was doing. It wasn't just buttermilk in once and two, three days or something like that. So Prabhupada always used to, he knew the disease in Kalyuga, especially of conditioned souls like all of me, that it will be so hard for us to, you know, in, even will follow in the footsteps of such great renunciation that he see. So, he actually saw the main renunciation which as devotees in Kali Yuga, practicing devotees in Kali Yuga for all of us is to chant the Hare Krishna mantra. That is our main renunciation our main and our main, uh, you know, the process that we follow. Because it is going to be very hard for people in Kali Yuga to have renunciation and that is why he himself used to have, he was not having opulent Rasha but he used to have very like normal, Christ of or that you know that he used to have that, deal, that side of He started giving it up towards the end of his life, he wasn't accepting much food, you know. But throughout his life he was, so I think he was, he knew that for us it would be hard to do that and therefore he himself was showing that it's okay that he keep simple prasadha. But in the same Melbourne temple, I you know, I had read in the Leelamrita, like, devotees had come once with Prabhupada and Prabhupada was ringing the bell trying to call someone and no one was coming, this was I think in the afternoon. And then you know with rubbing eyes one devotee ran into his room like he woke up from his sleep and all the devotees were sleeping after lunch. And Prabhupada rang the bell so loudly that one devotee heard and he woke up and he ran. And he, Prabhupada could see completely and swollen eyes because of deep sleep and rubbing his eyes. And Prabhupada asked where is everyone and he said everyone sleeping after lunch. And Prabhupada said the karmis are better than you, They are working harder than your They are not sleeping during the day. But it is mentioned that, you know, for the devotees, you know, the opulent prasad, the and all that which was uh, in Melbourne especially, <laughs> it was quite heavy for them and therefore they were, you know, sleeping in the afternoon. So Prabhupada used to always say that don't have too opulent prasad but he was not against us having nice and full he was always for it and he himself used to set an example because he felt that for us austerity, the chanting of the Hare Krishna Mahamankara itself is an austerity. So if we just do that properly and for that if we are taking prasadam to keep our senses under control and peaceful so that we can chant the Hare Krishna Mahamankara, I felt that is...
1: You will remember, don't forget go for it. There we yeah. There to be more. Okay. So austerity cannot go. He yeah. had to write so much because he knew he wanted to have Thank you. He can't have to go to bed. He was breathing in, he knew he all. And writing all. He so can't complain. And coming
0: to what Pandavan Prabhu was saying about Malkata Kairagya, um, I. I honest, I personally feel that what Tekanyama Prabhu was meaning that externally be like a non-person living in the material world and internally be attached to Krishna. I, I, I don't see that as being as hypocrisy. Hypocrisy because for example we talking of normal Brahastas. So when you are going to work you have to be you have to dress like you know wear a suit, business suit or whatever and you have to be part of that world where you are working. But internally, we are still always thinking of Krishna. We are looking for opportunities to see if we can preach about Krishna start some yoga classes or whatever in our workplace or distribute books. Somehow we have prasadam to the people who are working with us. So I felt Prabhupada was talking about, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and, and Prabhupada also talks about that particular balance where externally we fit into the world and therefore we see Prabhupada inside needs to dress properly. Because he knew if he wants, you know, these dignitaries to come and hear from him, or he wants to be, he would, if no one will come, he lives under and he is these very cattled clothes. So I feel Prabhupada was talking about that, that you dress, or again it's not occupant, okay it's until dhoti Kulta which is presentable, and you externally be like that so that people will actually listen to you. And with Brahasas, we externally go and work, we dress up like, you know, people are dressing up and off. If we wear a dhoti Kulta in office and go, people might not accept, they might think we are, you know, a little bit crazy or off or something like that. So. But internally we have to keep our Krishna pasatna strong in the morning and the evening we have a good program which keeps us stable in
2: our Krishna consciousness. That's what my realization was. Krishna. Krishna. Um, I um, when I was in, in Durban, uh the other day, December, end of November, I got a, a nice silk doji and um, for a wedding, uh, for a wedding. Um, but then I went to my aunt's funeral the other day, uh, and I wore the same outfit. And my brothers and cousins they're "All saying, oh, that looks really good." <laughs> you yeah. know, so. Um, I think you're right, you know, Prabhupada understood the need to fit in. And I've noticed that with my family also. If if you're too um, detached or too yeah, t- detached, then people sense that, especially your family. You know, you've got to make friends with you, you've got to be make friends with you. And I know when I was a lot younger I tend to be kind of detached from the family, and that, But they didn't like that, and I noticed, you yeah, know, because I've got novel, and we've got novel, and no we've got a little bit more axe. and so that, that makes them more favorable actually. You know, in, in, in my brother's caused by our devotional marriage, which they didn't do years ago, so there's certainly an advantage in kind of fitting in a little bit with the, with the cultural norms mm. and people relax, then they'll be more receptive to what our philosophy is and, and, you know, the proper utilization of things, which is doing it in relationship with Krishna. And that's a good point that you made about Krishna. You know, Brahman mentions that a devotee should be mentally and sensually strong. and. Um, you know, if you're not eating enough, you can't stay awake. You can't turn around. You can't focus on anything. You probably understood that. So you know, he didn't mind when the devotees, He encouraged the those to eat, you know, ten chapatis, which we, you know, young people can do. Robert understood that. influencing us today, you know, with that strong sinanda uh, through, I'm uh, um, sure we have a connection with this, world, so many times we're not even aware of, but it's coming through, I
0: That's a really good point, Rudy, because when we are studying the Bhakti Vedanta course right now, we are in the 10th canto definition, we started the 11th canto recently. So there's not many purports which Prabhupada's disciples have written. Like some verses don't have purports, and in when the Saratha is of such big help, especially when we are preparing for our exams. Yeah. So, yeah, Saratha Darshanis is very helpful, Vishwanath Chakra. And we see in Prabhupada's comment, purports also he refers to quite a lot of Vishwanath Chakra Vedanta's commentaries. Thank you, Rudy. Mm-hmm any other uh, I haven't read that language, but I, from memory I think so yes what's the question? is Badri Vidya Bhushan the right disciple of Vishwam yes yes even I think so and from memory I remember but I did not
2: read it during this preparation.
0: but I think
1: <laughs> Such a good story I written Prabhupada he was cooking by himself and giving food to all these cooking and serving and also cleaning the dishes. So who can compare the Anybody to Anybody Western world, <laughs> We can never compare. Thank you अभिनेत्रों को how nice we have इससे sixty seven degrees का बहुत फ़िल्मी